everyone, welcome back to the Musea podcast. I'm Michael Howard, the founder and CEO of Musea. And it's been three years since we've released a podcast, so thank you for hanging in there. Uh, if you're listening to this, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, the lab has really consumed a lot of my time the past six years uh, where I've been working in production day in and day out, uh, you know, making prints and framing pictures and canvases and coordinating album sales and all sorts of things like that. And uh, the lab has grown enough and we've got enough systems in place for now that I have been able to step uh, outside of production for the most part. And so I can focus on other aspects of the business and um, growing the lab and uh, growing Musea as a brand. And so, yeah, here we are uh, back again. So I'm, I'm very excited for um, where the company is at and I'm excited that that's going to be able to free me up a little bit to, um, yeah, have more conversations with photographers and artists. They're doing amazing, inspiring things in the world and bring those to you. Uh, we're going to be doing... Um, interviews on and posting them to YouTube, uh, which you can check out at youtube.com slash musea. And then we'll also be repurposing that content and releasing it here uh, as a podcast. So if you want to see the visuals and see the work of the photographers that um, I'm interviewing and see certain things that we're talking about, uh, it'd be great. You, you can watch that on YouTube and I'll be showing their pictures as we talk about certain things. Uh, if you just want the audio experience, then definitely uh, just listen to the podcast, uh, or you can do both. Uh, that would be amazing as well. So the podcast is also now on Spotify. So Apple Podcast or Spotify, you can follow, sub, uh, subscribe on either one of those platforms. But um, yeah, I'm excited to be here and excited to connect with all of you again. We've got a lot of exciting things ahead uh, for the company. And uh, yeah, o over time, I'll, I'll get into those. But um but yeah, just uh, really, really excited. So this first one, uh, I did an interview with Veronica, Veronica Cotter. She uh, works for Hanemule. And um, we dive into the history of um, Hanemule and um, all the papers that we offer through them at the Musea Lab. Uh, but just also other things they do. We also just talk a little bit about the importance of printing um, and how a lot of people are discovering the value of printing uh, versus just having your images live in the digital space all the time. So anyway, we hope you uh, enjoy uh, this conversations uh, with Veronica and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Veronica Cotter and I am the education development and Western region manager for Hanamula USA. Is there multiple ways to pronounce? Because I feel like in America, I've run into people in there that say like Hanemuel and then the German name. Well, and, and when I spend any time with our, our boss who's German, it becomes a little more pronounced Hanemula. But for the most part, it's Hanemuel or Hanemula. Uh, I've heard Hanemuli, Hamamula. Uh, I, I've heard variations, um, but it's, I usually try and pronounce it Hanamula. When I'm talking to photographers, I usually say Hanamula, but... Uh, and that's, so. that's fine. It, and we, when directing people to the website 
tell them if you can get close, you know, H-A-H-N, H-A-N-E-M, then it usually then pops up on the website. So it's the same thing with pronouncing it. We know what you mean. (laughs) Okay. Um, Can you give us a brief history of just just the company? Because it's been around for a really long time. And I don't know if some people may not know the history. Absolutely. And we were talking about the pronunciation of Hanamula interesting little factoids. So Hana is rooster and Mula is mill. So it's mill of the rooster, but but Carl Hana founded Hana Mula in 1584. So it's named for him. So 1584, it's a 437-year-old paper mill. It's been in the same location in Dassel, Germany for the entire period of time. The mill sits adjacent to an old growth forest. So next to the mill, there is a stream and we use that stream in the production of all our papers. Hanamula started making uh, writing papers, paper for monetary notes um, and filtration papers. And in the late 90s, they started to take some of those fine art papers and coat them for digital. So we were the first digital fine art paper maker. And the papers that we used uh, were some of the same that you find in our traditional fine arts. So William Turner or photo rag and actually bamboo exists in both the traditional fine art side and also uh, digital fine art. And, you know, we sell into 80 countries worldwide. We employ over 200 people. Um, so it, it's really a, a, a interesting and impressive legacy, I think. That's, uh, that's wow, that's really impressive. So they're, they're literally in the same mill for 500 years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for 437 yeah. years, continuous production. And I mentioned the stream next to the mm-hmm. mill. So they use that water to make the paper. And because it is so clean and so clear, there's really not a whole lot that has to be done when we use it. And actually, when they return it to the stream, it's drinking water quality. The next town over from Dossel, which is a larger town and where people stay when they come to visit uh, Hanamula and Dossel, is called Einbeck. And that's where Einbecker beer is made. And actually, Einbecker beer has been in production longer than Hanamula paper. And they use that same stream water. So we tell people if they ever get to to that part of Germany and they're interested in a tour, it's really fascinating to watch how paper is made. And I think you have a much greater appreciation for paper once you see the materials that are used, the process. And if you stay in Einbeck, then you can go have an Einbecker beer. <laughs> and if you're, if you're into motorcycles, yeah. there is a private collector who opened a motorcycle museum, I think about five years ago. And I've heard it's quite an impressive collection. So lots going on in that little part of Germany. Wow. Can you, can you walk us through a little bit of the papermaking process? I know it's probably visually hard to explain, but just kind of an, a generic overview. Oh, yeah. And, and this is really kind of the layman's description yeah. of it. When I first started with Hanamula in 2013, I had the opportunity of going to Germany to the mill and watching how they make papers. So, and I know I'm, I'm missing a lot of steps. Okay. And if you go on the website, I think there's some actual videos that, that have more detail. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing these big 
vats of paper pulp. And so obviously there are, um, um, we buy uh, wood pulp, there's cotton litners that we use. So anyway, you've got this big vat of, of paper pulp. And then that's what goes through the, the coating machine. And depending on what kind of paper they're making, if it's one of the mold made papers like William Turner um, or museum etching, you'll see what looks like a woolen blanket mm. on the bottom. And back in the day when they made papers by hand and they had a mold, which is a screen with a wooden frame around it. So they would dip that mold into the paper pulp, shake off the excess water, and then flip that onto a felt, which looks like a woolen blanket. So now fast forward and one of our coating machines actually has what looks like a woolen blanket on the bottom. And those textured papers go over the woolen blanket, the felt, and that's what gives it its its texture. Otherwise, the um, paper passes through this um, this uh, paper machine and comes out in a long continuous uh, roll at the end. Mm -hmm. So then we take those master rolls and have them converted into cut sheets or rolls of various sizes. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I skipped a whole lot yeah, of steps, but um, yeah. And the yeah. one thing um, that that happened after I was there in 2013, they invested uh, three quarters of a million dollars in a infrared scanner. So it literally goes over the paper and looks for any little imperfections and can literally cut them out. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's it's that that's one of the things that people have told me over the years, the consistency mm -hmm. of the paper as you go from one box to the next that it really maintains a high degree of consistency. And part of that is adjacent to the mill is our R&D department. And that's where Dr. Bourne and her group they develop the coatings, they maintain the coatings, they do um, intermittent spot checks just to make sure that everything remains consistent. So as I said earlier, if if anyone ever goes to Germany with enough notice, we can set up a tour and it really is fascinating to watch how paper is made, knowing that they've been doing it for 400 plus years. Yeah, I know. This It's kind of on my to-do list. So hopefully I can do that one day. So that would be amazing. Hanamola has a huge history of also like environmental policies. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Tell us mm -hmm. about some of those. So uh, some of our papers are made from sustainably sourced fibers, um, bamboo, which we've had for many years. And then a year and a half ago, we introduced agave and hemp. And those became the natural line. So bamboo shifted over into the natural line. But starting back in 2008, we started the Green Rooster Initiative. Mm -hmm. So 5% of the profits from all of the, the green paper is directed toward uh, both domestic and international um, environmental projects. So for instance, there's a baby elephant rescue in Kenya. Uh, we did a project in Colombia to plant trees to prevent landslides. And there is a gorilla sanctuary in the Congo. So a number of projects like that, both here and around the world. 
We use uh, three three products. Uh, so we use the here at the lab. We use the museum etching, the ultra smooth, and the Cezanne mm-hmm. canvas. Um, mm-hmm. And they're all three, you know, cotton based. So kind of want to start just talking about the longevity and the benefits of just a cotton based paper versus maybe like a, a you know something that's just all, all wood pulp or or even a paper. Uh, paper pulp. So uh, with our fine art papers, we have three categories of materials. There's cotton, there's alpha cellulose, which is refined wood pulp. And then as we just discussed, the natural fibers. So agave, hemp, and bamboo. With any of our fine art papers and canvas, with pigment inks, we rate them at 100 years plus. So you've talked a little bit about the museum etching. I just kind of want to go through each of these three products that we offer just to talk about the benefits. So um, I guess we'll just finish up with the museum etching since we talked about it when we go into the other ones. So if if you're at a somewhere at a booth or something and somebody's interested in museum etching, like what are the first few things you tell them about the paper? In the range of textured papers, it has the least amount of texture, but I refer to it as having a subtle, um, subtle quality to it. It still has texture, but it's not as pronounced as, say, the William Turner or the Torshan. I love the fact that it's a 350, so it has a really good heft to it. And I think it lends itself well to displaying prints that aren't necessarily framed. Um, you know, more and more I'm beginning to see artists that will use a clip system or a magnet system, and you really need to have a paper that's going to withstand not having that structure of a frame. So um, that's one of the, the things I love about the museum etching. Museum etching comes in a decalage as well, which is beautiful to display in a float frame or freestanding. Um, and there's just this, this handmade, beautiful quality to it that I, I just love. Mm-hmm. It's on my short list of pa- favorite papers, but my short list continues to grow right. a bit. <laughs> and you, so you mentioned the 350. So explain what that is for people that don't know. We'll see like a paper and I'll be like GSM after it. Like, what is that? Graham's perspective. Grams per square meter, it's the the weight of the paper, like the thickness of the paper. Mm. Um, You know, our papers in the fine art range, um, anywhere from 265 all the way up to 350. Um, And as you go through a swatch book, and actually if you compare your museum etching to the ultra smooth, there's definitely a difference in Mm. that, that, that half Let's talk about the ultra smooth. Uh, what makes it different than the museum etching? Well, I, the ultra smooth is another one of my favorite papers, and I swear it's not because you <laughs> use it. Um, yeah. There's this, there's this subtlety, this beautiful, softer, velvety uh, feel to it. And the reason I'm going like this, uh, a few years ago at one of our trade shows, we had this stunning portrait of Scarlett Johansson in the booth, printed on ultra smooth. And you just kind of wanted to go up and say, God, what beautiful skin she has. It's just so, smooth. It's so soft. Yeah. It's 100% cotton. It has what I would refer to as a neutral base tint. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really has kind of a velvety feel to it. And I think it's true of all the papers and perhaps especially so with the few and ultra smooth is one of them. 
I have seen stunning black and whites and I've seen beautiful color images as well. And I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. <laughs> do you print both black and white and color on the ultra smooth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it lends itself well to, to, to both. And that's the, the wonderful thing about where we are as far as image making. You know, I tell people most of my DNA is, is analog because I worked for Ilford and prior to that I worked for Oriental New Seagull. And it was either, well, you were printing black and white in the dark room. So now it's, okay, I have an image. I have a paper. Am, am I going to do black and white or am I going to do color? So it's really a remarkable time to be involved with image making. Mm, I agree. Yeah, we, uh, the, a lot of the papers we do pick that we have at the lab are because they are very versatile. So we want to pick papers that mm -hmm. don't really pigeonhole photographers into mm -hmm. it really only works for this type of imagery. So okay. we're very careful to pick things that, you know, if, if you're doing color, black and white, you know. Uh, you know, kind of a higher contrast or something moodier, like it, it can carry all of those tones successfully. So, and that um, that is always a difficult question, mm -hmm. and I know you must deal with it quite yeah. often. People will ask me to look at an image and say, "Okay, pick a pic," right. <laughs> or, or or they'll say, "I do street photography," or "I do landscapes." Which which paper? Yeah. Just pick one. Which paper? And I I really agonize a bit because there are different options and it's so often a personal choice mm. you can kind of and i'm sure you do you kind of lead them into a, a direction or a choice but ultimately it kind of has to to connect with them yeah yeah i think it's just explain the different characteristics <clears throat> that each paper have and mm -hmm. you know if you use this one it has these things or if you do this it, it does this and then ultimately mm -hmm. let them choose based on that information but that's kind of how we right. guide those conversations yeah, 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 yeah. They're fun conversations yeah. to have because it really gets people thinking about um, base tint, texture, weight. I think mm -hmm. they're all important considerations. Mm -hmm. uh, and the more you get people thinking about them, the more they can have kind of that engaged conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, let's talk about the canvas. So we, we tested all of your canvases. <laughs> this was the one we settled on. Uh, but I, I want to let you talk about the Cezanne canvas and what makes it different than some of the other canvases in your canvas line. Well, it is a, as you said, it's a hundred percent cotton and it has a, it, you tested all of them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as well as I do, each canvas has a different weave to it. Mm -hmm. And this one, the Cezanne has a very fine uh, weave to it. Um, it's the heaviest in the range um, and once again, it reproduces color and black and white beautifully. It, it, I used to, I have, okay. I have an admission. I used to be kind of a canvas snob. Yeah. Once again, coming from the dark room, I didn't get canvas. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I have seen some remarkable images reproduced on canvas and I'm, I'm a believer now. I really do love canvas and the Cezanne at 430 is the, the heaviest one in the range. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's 430 and the museum etching is like 350. So it's even, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. got some heft to it. And so, you know, we're hand stretching those on wood stretcher bars, but it's, it's, it's pliability and it's how it stretches is like yep. amazing. Um, it it's is. not like really 
you know, it's not like a rubber, rubber bandy or it's like, woo, like, you know, but it has, it has enough <laughs> pull to it that it, it's just a the nice, like the perfect amount, I would say. Mm-hmm. And do you have um, anyone that you're working with? Are they doing kind of a mixed media approach to the canvas? Are they adding any spot varnish or paint strokes? I've heard of people doing mm-hmm. that as well, which I find fascinating. Yeah. Not that I know of, but we, uh, we take, uh, your matte varnish and we coat, mm-hmm. we coat the canvas with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know mm-hmm. if somebody could add on top of that already. Um, mm-hmm. but it, anything that leaves the lab for us has the, the matte varnish on it. Good, good, good. So. Yeah. We, we recommend that. And it, especially as you're doing wraps, it really helps to prevent cracking mm-hmm. or, or it gives it that extra layer of protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, in terms of, um, benefits of the varnish well, in terms of like cleaning it what what would you suggest people for that uh as far as cleaning the the image just uh if you have a microfiber cloth mm-hmm. um i once had someone ask me if they could spray windex on it yeah. and then wipe it down and i i just like, no no not. no just <laughs> no 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 if, i would i recommend uh like a just a really light microfiber mm-hmm. cloth um don't get too crazy yeah. And then uh, we also use your uh, protective spray on um, mm-hmm. the museum etching and the ultra smooth. Ultra smooth um, what yeah. are the benefits of the pr- protective spray? It's especially good for um, uh, papers with texture mm-hmm. because, you know, sometimes they have those, those loose cotton fibers and that really just puts them into place. Um, but it, it gives longevity UV protection, um, if the prints are going to be handled at all, it really helps with that. And that's more so with some of the glossy papers, but it does give it that extra layer of, of protection, both from handling and UV. So those are some of the, the benefits of, of spraying. When, so we have a lot of photographers that are, they're coming from, you know, other labs and they're, they're probably used to like, um, more of a traditional luster print or silver halide print, um. Uh, so, and they're communicating to clients that are, haven't really been around cotton prints with like archival mm-hmm. pigment ink. And it's kind of a new world for some of, some of the photographers, but also just for clients in general, like the general public hasn't, doesn't really touch and feel these products extremely often. Um, what are some things you would suggest for photographers to communicate to their clients of, you know, I guess some selling points or some differentiation points of like, Oh, this, this paper is different because of this, this, this uh, versus maybe what you've got from Shutterfly or something like that, you know? Well, and, and those that you mentioned, like a glossy or luster, we refer to those and we do have glossy papers Mm -hmm. in the glossy fine art range. We have satin, we have pearl, but then there's a category of paper and actually Hanamula has a photo range and those are RC papers. And what you referred to with your glossy and luster or even your machine prints, those are RC prints. Mm. So they don't have the same longevity as the cotton papers or anything in our fine art range. So that's, that's right off the bat, probably the most important thing, the longevity. As I said, 100 years plus for our fine art papers, um, I think maybe 30 to 50 at the most with RC papers. 
Um, and the, the thing that I, I brag about with Hanamula papers is we actually make the paper. Um, there are companies that offer nice papers, but they don't make them. We make the paper, we develop the coatings, and I think that's an important legacy to, to share with clients. Uh, it's a beautiful range of papers. I think we have some truly unique papers, and we were the first to develop fine art digital papers in the late 90s and have just continued with that. And the Photorag 308, which is in that same range as the Ultra Smooth, is the most popular paper across all brands worldwide. And I, I think people, once they identify a few of our papers, they kind of standardize on those. Mm. Um, and when you say Hanamula, even if people don't print with that paper or don't print at all, they know the name. Mm. And we also have a, a great reputation on the traditional fine art side as well. We have a complete range of artist papers for watercolor, pastel, acrylics, gouache. We have sketchbooks. We have canvas on the traditional fine art side. So it 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 is a company that has been focused on fine art for 400 plus years. Mm, yeah, you guys know what you're doing. That's for sure. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, I admire the fact that um, that people are interested in printing. I think the fascination with looking at everything on a screen, kind of been there, done that. And it is, I'm sure you see this where perhaps you've worked with clients that haven't printed at all or haven't printed in a long time and you show them the work. And it's almost like an epiphany when they see the print. Um, I've had the 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 opportunity to be at events where we'll print for people and there are two examples in particular that stick out for me and one was a few years ago and we handed someone a print and he happened to be toward the end of the day so we actually made him an extra print on a different paper and he was off to the side and he, I, I couldn't gauge his body language and I went over to him and I said, is everything okay? Did, did you, do you like your prints? We can do them again if you don't. He, he looked up at me and he says, I've never seen my work printed before. And I don't want to overstate it. I almost thought he was going to cry. He was just having this, this moment with the work. And that is what's great about a lab like Musea is that you can provide that experience and that level of fine art work for people that can't, don't want to do it for themselves. So, you know, I appreciate the fact that you see the importance of, of print and, and work with your clients to kind of realize how they see their work. Thanks. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, so we're, I feel like we're in an interesting point in kind of the photo land where it's, you know, I, I learned on darkroom and film and everything, but so I was trained a certain way, but there's a lot of photographers in business now that they just, they were just learned on digital self-taught and um which is amazing um but there's just the benefits to print that um high quality print that's like mm -hmm. really meant for art meant to be in galleries and museums um and so it's it's can be a new world for people but seeing the quality um yeah like you're saying it can just it, it can take their breath away and for me it feels like it's uh like the final step in the artist creative process. So it's like the, it's something's been finally been born, it's brought to life and it's in the world now versus just 
floating around in pixels. So it's it's true. I, I, we could probably talk about this for the next hour, but um, how do you show somebody a hard drive twenty years from now? Um, and what's to say something didn't corrupt that hard drive? But if you have a print, that's something that you can refer to um, from now until until the end of time. I mean, I have a print on my wall that I purchased uh, 40 years ago, and it's right over there. And I look at it almost every day, and I love it as much as the uh, the the day I bought it. Uh, it's a Morley Bear mm-hmm. uh, silver gelatin black and white print. I love it. I just, I, I love it. And, you know, I'm surrounded by digital prints. And I don't look at them in the context of that's silver gelatin, that's uh, that's photo rag, ultra smooth. I look at them because they're beautiful prints, mm. and you know you can kind of see behind me. Yeah. I just love to to have work in every every space in my house. Yeah, yeah, they add um, yeah a lot of warmth and character to your space, physical space um, and personality. Mm-hmm. That you know you can you can buy cheap art from other places, but it's just when it's your images that are important to you or art that you like that inspire you on a daily basis. It, it really adds to your, um, yeah, your surroundings and living space. So. And it adds to your well-being. Yeah. I, so many of these, there is a good story behind mm-hmm. it. Um, and there's a, a photographer behind it who we may have a special relationship with. So it's, it's kind of the, the big picture of, of what these all mean to me. Uh, but you mentioned something earlier about digital natives that they never spent time in the darkroom. But it's interesting, and you probably know this because you're you have that association to analog. Younger people are really embracing film, yeah. big time. The under thirty crowd um, account for a, a good portion of Ilford's business. Yeah. So it's it's fun to see them being so curious to explore image making. Mm. I, who knows if they get the opportunity to go in the dark room, but they certainly have options, digital output options. So once again, it is just the, the most amazing time to be involved with image making and printing. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Thanks much. Take care.